This is a 980 CKNW podcast. This time of year is wonderful for so many, but I realize that regardless of the wrapping and wreaths, the presents and the parties, the lights and the love, there are so many others who suffer with everything from loss to grief, loneliness, fear, medical conditions, and more. Tonight, I want to address some of those issues here on the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW, and hopefully through some of these stories, inspire you to power through in the tough times. Good evening. This is Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse, sexual health educator, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help you live a better life and improve your relationship. Please put the kitties to bed, grab your wine, perhaps your lover, cuddle up, and do join me. Good evening, Amir. How are you? I am pretty good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's perfect weather for cuffing, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. I'm learning, see? <laughs> Listen, I dodged a few bullets. I spent the better part of the week in uh, in Georgia, oh. the state of Georgia, and that airport has been shut down, I see. They actually, I was almost going to have to stay through to tomorrow. 300 flights have been canceled tomorrow, so unfortunately I... Is it weather-related? It was re- weather-related, and, um, well, you know, it was more like hell hath no fury, like a woman's scorn-related, and so the airport was shut down. All the lights are up. <laughs> No. Kind of exciting, right? <laughs> and then Toronto as well. I was fortunate to get out of there. I was the last flight to get out of there on wow. Friday. And uh, it's a busy time of year. Mm-hmm. A couple of parties on Friday night. Managed mm-hmm. to uh, make it to an early party on Friday night. And then another one. Didn't get home till quarter to three in the morning on <laughs> On well, I guess that would be Saturday morning, but oh. then off to another one uh, last night, wow. and uh, you don't look tired at all. Yeah, you know, I don't feel jet lagged, which is great. You know, it's fantastic. So, but I, well, I rested a lot at the mansion last week, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing just fine, just fine here. I'm going to tell you all about it, yes. uh, my little trip to uh, Georgia, but I can't tell you everything about it. Oh. I have to wait until the decision is handed down by the judge and jury that is related to this case that I consulted on. Um, uh, But I will talk about uh, flawless perfection and uh, southern hospitality. Casserole parties, which are, which are not what you think, I will tell you. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was actually asking a, a college student if she knew what a casserole party was. And she said, uh, but I said, have you heard of the key parties? And she said, tea parties? Why, yes, ma'am, I have. And I said, no, no, no. I said, key parties. And she said, key parties? No, ma'am, I have not. <laughs> 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 so the casserole parties, and in fact, we have some new neighbors uh, that have moved in to the neighborhood. A great couple. We had a blast with them. Uh, we were actually regaling them with stories of suburban housewives and their first world problems <laughs> at one of the parties <laughs> that I was at. And uh, so anyway, I thought we were telling them about, I was telling them about casserole parties in the South, and I'll tell the listeners tonight. And then I thought afterward, I'd, I'd only met them that night. And then I thought the next night, the next day, I should bring a casserole to welcome them to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but I really wasn't sure if they would get the joke, but I think they would. And I didn't want them to get the wrong message. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here she is, Mrs. Kravitz, coming with the casserole party. Uh, <laughs> casserole dish. Anyway, so I had a, had a great time. And also going to be talking a little bit about, uh, because of my little trip, exit ramps to Splitsville. So, you know, many people... Uh, marriage isn't necessarily forever, but it's just interesting how people split. 
And and hell hath no fury like a woman scorn often. But uh, so we have lots to cover on the program tonight. Um, without a doubt, this can be just such a stressful time of year. Uh, the parties, the perfection, the shopping, the eating, the drinking, the kids, the in-laws, the travel, etc., uh, and so there's just so much uh, people have to deal with. Um, and even, you know, stress happens just arbitrarily. I have a story to share a little bit later about uh, a little bit of a misunderstanding at, at one of the parties and uh, <laughs> and how the wife went home and left and uh, the uh, the guitarist stayed and played for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. But stress is... is uh, very challenging and uh, <laughs> stress is stressful but it's really how you manage stress but there's also effects on the brain and I'm going to review that also Marcus Duncan a PhD student from UBC returns to the program tonight we're going to be talking about severe mental illness uh, and how exercise can help and at 8.30 Dr. Bruce Allen is a highly respected and most trusted obstetrician and gynecologist and we're going to be talking about some of the issues that occur after a woman has a baby we're going to be talking about Genevieve which is a new novel treatment by Vivive and that may help ladies to live and love just a little bit better. Uh, I also, um, you know, I've picked up a few people along the way, and one of them was uh, Brett Hickler. He is a business coach at College Pro Painters, of all things. But he was talking about different personality types in his business coaching, and, and I was fascinated by his talk about this and how it applies to relationships that we get into or, or maybe we present as a um, as a connector. Right. And, uh, you know, you might be surprised to learn that I'm probably a connector with uh, <laughs> there's a good <laughs> there's a darn good chance. I picked up two guests for tonight in my travels. Um, and but then there's contributor and, the, and there's a number of other ones, six to be exact. And he's going to be talking about how those personalities spill over from business to personal relationships. And if you still don't believe I'm a connector, then just ask Erica. She's going to, uh, we met having a pedicure. (laughs) (laughs) I was really uh, taken by her, by her spark, by her. She was just so bright and just lovely. And we're sitting next to each other having... You know, just getting ourselves all pretted up, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, so we started talking, and she was telling me just about how much she has conquered, how much she has had to deal with medically in her short life, and just how uh, beautifully she has responded to it. And, And she's such an inspiration for so many people, and I just felt that her story was so important to tell. And uh, it's it's going to surprise you. And, you know, and even uh, people can be just so nasty, you know, and, and but yet it's it's really the beautiful people who are able to manage that and deal with that and uh, and be an incredible mother and and uh, just a, an amazing person who wants to give back. So she's probably a connector and, and likely a contributor as well. Um, so as also I have, uh, Dermot Butterly, whose name I thought originally was Dermot Butterfly, but, uh, Dermot Butterly has a, we're both Irish, so I need not say any more. Uh, he, he found me online 
probably a connector as well, after watching my TEDx talk. And then he invited me onto his radio program, which is in California, called the, the Celtic Radio Show. And that's for men down in California. So, um, And he, again, he's a certified yoga instructor, Hatha yoga instructor, and he's still trying to find himself through meditation. Who isn't trying to find themselves? I certainly am. It may take a long time. It may never happen. Um, so we've got lots of... Um, other subjects, how to deal with your kids uh, over the holidays, you know, uh, especially after divorce. Remember, um, you want to put your children first after any divorce. And so I have some tips for you about that. And um, and also, did you see uh, down in the U.S. where uh, Trump has uh, made some new recommendations around there's certain words we can't use? We're oh, censoring certain yeah. um, requests for money, basically. If you, if you use particular words... Like diversity, you may not get the funding you like. Anyway, I, I've about had it with um, with that. And, you know, it was tough enough being down there. But I was so glad that uh, Roy Moore didn't win down in Alabama. Oh, so that was nice to Roy. wake up to <laughs> uh, as I was spending my time in the mansion uh, this week. But uh, so anyway, lots to cover on the show. I'll tell you a little bit more about my trip to Georgia as well. And uh, when I come back, Marcus Duncan will be joining us and we'll be talking about major mental illness and exercise. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on C. KNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting the program for you tonight. It is my pleasure to be here. Hope you're doing well tonight. And thank you so much for joining me. I, I am extremely interested in things that affect relationships. And one of those things that affects relationships is mental illness. Mental illness is very common. Anxiety is the number one mental illness diagnosed in this country. And individuals with a severe mental illness are at least two times likely two times more likely to suffer from metabolic comorbidities leading to excessive and premature deaths. Joining me on the line is Marcus Duncan. He is a PhD student at the University of British Columbia. He does a lot of research in this area. Good evening, Marcus. Good evening, Maureen. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me from Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. No, it's it's. I really love the work that you do. I think it's very very important. And and I and you do a lot of work uh, in that is related to severe mental illness, so bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, bipolar disorder uh, is is relatively new, but a lot of my research focuses on schizophrenia and depression. And what made you interested in this aspect as it relates to exercise? Um, that's that's really what you focus on with regard to these illnesses. Yeah, so it's it's looking at how physical activity and exercise can be used to improve uh, the quality of life for individuals with these severe mental illnesses, but also, especially with depression, uh, using it to as a as a treatment option. Uh, so I I got interested in this area in my undergraduate degree, uh, but partially from a, a lived experience point of view where I, you know, I suffered a pretty severe injury one winter. And as I was going through uh, physiotherapy for it, I realized the impact it had on my mood and how much you know, more clearly I, I was thinking and able to problem solve. So that really sort of led me down the track of pursuing this as a, as a research area. So, so you yourself... Help with exercise, that that's what helped you to think more clearly during a time that you know you were going through a rough patch. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's very much, very much a lived experience. And I was already, you know, interested in mental health. I was doing a psychology degree. And so this just, everything sort of clicked when, when I started, you know, adding more exercise as part of my physical physiotherapy, but then also the mental health component really kicked in as well. Well, that's amazing. Now, one of the biggest challenges for people with depression is to actually encourage exercise uptake. So it's very difficult for people with a mood disorder, people who are depressed or especially severely clinically depressed to actually get over the threshold and uh, to go outside or to get on the uh, exercise bike or whatever to do some exercise. So why is that so challenging for them and how do we get them to do that? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a big thing in both. I think it's a thing that unites a lot of these sort of severe mental illnesses that we talk about in terms of depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia is that part of the symptomology of these these mental illnesses involves components of A, motivation, and anhedonia. So what I mean by that is a lack of interest in things that you, you know, used to find pleasurable, such as physical activity, or a lack of a lack of sort of goal directed behavior, which, you know, physical activity and exercise being it's a challenge for people without mental illness to add and pursue those those exercise and make that a part of their, their week and daily life. So adding, you know, adding a mental illness where the symptoms very much prevent you from, from pursuing that, it's certainly just, you know, another added barrier for these individuals. And, and are there any particular tips to encourage people or to get people to cross over that barrier um, that, you know, because I've heard that people with depression, you can have the answer to their depression on the other side of the room and they can't get up and walk over to pick it up. You know, it's been described that way. So that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing that we've been, we've been dealing with in the research. And most of there's, there's a lot of literature out there right now for uh, scientific literature suggesting that exercise can be an effective intervention for for depression. Uh, but now, now that we know that, is how do we connect people with with the disease uh, to you know proper resources or what even what resources are are available to get people to be more physically active and to get them exercising and help overcome some of these these barriers that just reduce the threshold. Right. It seems uh, a bit random and it's just that those who actually decide, you know, I'm going to give this a try if it if it kills me. And we we know like even I know today I was swimming and I I planned to swim for a half an hour and then I'm like do 40 minutes and then I'm like okay, you did 40, you might as well do 50. But I was pushing myself, pushing myself. I'm like, okay, do an hour. You're going to do an hour. And I did about 58 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, well, it's that constant How do you have Yeah battle in your head, right? And so it must be extremely difficult for people who have no motivation, who are in a, a, a low mood. Well, and how do you get, how do you, you're, you're struggling to just, you know, push yourself further and further once you've already started. It's, it's difficult to get someone even into the pool when they're, you know, experiencing, you know, symptoms or, you know, there's, there's so many other things in your life that, that you also may feel like you need to take care of and that, you know, the exercise would just be a distraction from the the time that you have to devote to that. Right. And is it so, better, do you even know the answer to this, is it better to exercise for, for people with mood disorders 
Better to exercise in the morning, which is oftentimes um, the depression is worse in in the morning. Uh, There's a book called The Noonday Demon, which um, the author uh, was struck with just irretractable depression at at noon every day. And... um, but is it harder for people to get out there and do it in the morning? Is it better for them to do exercise in the morning, get the blood flowing, or any time of day is good? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not familiar with any scientific literature saying that one is particularly more effective than the other. I'd say, you know, the, the most effective exercise is the stuff that you actually do. So just, just getting out there and doing, whether it's joining some kind of class, um, or engaging in exercise on, on your own uh, in order to improve physical or just yes, doing something on your own like a run, it's better than better than not. So I, I wouldn't advise, I wouldn't say, you know, choose choose the morning over the night. I'd say look at you know, look at your personal patterns. Everyone's gonna be different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to talk about people with depression as a sort of blanket group. Uh, but you know, it's it's highly highly varied. Like some people have really really disrupted sleep patterns and sleep less when they're experiencing depression, and some people you know sleep more and find it extremely hard to get out of bed. So I think there's a certain level of introspection that you know you might need to evaluate. And if you're if you're trying to add physical activity to your daily routine, then and it's you know, it's not working, you have best laid intentions, then, you know, it might be time to change how you do some of your planning. So instead of, you know, instead of saying, yeah, I'll do it when I get home from work, if you're not doing that, then, you know, make, try and make that switch to uh, first thing in the morning. Um, And then hopefully, you know, the mood, your mood benefits from that first run carries with you throughout the day. Absolutely. Marcus, thank you so much. I really appreciate the work that you do. It's fantastic work. And we'll have you back in the new year. Uh, I want to talk about a few other um, aspects of your research as well. Great. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you as I do live every Sunday night here in the beautiful downtown studios. Rain or cold, and it's both of those tonight, so hopefully you are just wrapped up with your lover right now. Uh, I am honored to have Dr. Bruce Allen on the program. Dr. Bruce Allen is the heart of the Allen Center in Calgary. He is a highly respected physician He is highly respected by the women he treats, their families, and the medical community. He is one of Calgary and Canada's best-known and most trusted obstetrician gynecologists. And he's on the line, and we're going to be talking about things that happen after you have a baby. Good evening, Dr. Allen. Hi, Maureen. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Oh, good. It's nice to see you a few weeks ago here in Vancouver, and thanks for coming on the program tonight. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great. Uh, so, you are a very highly respected OBGYN, and uh, you deal with not only delivering the babies, but what happens after the babies are born. And oftentimes women, especially women who experience a vaginal delivery, may have some issues down there, as we say, that may impact their sexual health. So can you exactly. tell us a little bit about uh, vaginal laxity and looseness and things of that nature? Well, as you know, after having a child, I mean, things 
there's a lot of things change, don't they, Maureen? I mean, there's physical changes, there's psychological changes, there's relationship changes. So there's a lot of new stressors in a woman's life, new opportunities, but also a lot of uh, stressors. And at the Allen Center, we not only provide medical and cosmetic services, but we also do some sexual counseling as well. We try to um, help people with sexual function issues. So one of the things that we see at the center, we have a lot of women come to us and say things have changed after childbirth. And um, when they say that things change, sometimes even the women have difficulty in identifying exactly what it is. It's not something just as specific as, as vaginal laxity. I mean, there's, you know, complex um, factors that are involved, but but they say that something has changed or not as engaged in intercourse anymore. And um, so what we try to do is do a workup to try to find out what the issues are. One of the issues that seems to um, come into play is that we're finding that it's, um, it's a combination of physical changes. Um, obviously, there's quite a distension of the vagina when the baby is uh, delivered. Now, even in uh, women who not had vaginal deliveries, had cesarean sections. The body still changes after uh, carrying a pregnancy. But there can be physical changes to the vaginal opening, but there's also tissue changes, loss of collagen. That's a combination both of vaginal delivery, but also time. We all lose collagen as as, uh, time passes. And so what happens is that women will mention that intercourse just isn't as pleasurable anymore. Um, If they can't sense the, um, you know, the frictional forces within intercourse, they may tend to disengage from their partner, and then you get a bit of a relationship breakdown. So that's one of the issues that we're seeing. And it's a common time um, in a relationship that first year after a woman has a baby, we see a lot of men going outside of the relationship. There's a, a, a bit of a peak of infidelity at that time, according to research. And you know, it may in fact be related to a situation like this where there is decreased sexual sensation and the the bond is not as tight between the partners. And so it can, as you say, lead to all sorts of of issues uh, in the relationship. And, and not only that, but it can affect a woman's sexual self-esteem, her sensuality, her sense of herself, her desirability, her uh, attractiveness, or her sense of being attractive to her partner. So how is it that, what are, what are some of the things that women can do? Uh, Kegel exercises is one, but what are some of the other things that women can do to help to improve their sexual sensation after the birth of their baby? Yeah, what we find is there's, there's kind of two components of uh, changes to the vagina. One is the changes in the musculature or the fascia. That's when there's, you know, stretching, uh, physical stretching as the baby's head comes through. So we find that some of the muscles are separated, they're mat- actually be physical tearing of the, the fascial supports. And those kind of things can be addressed with uh, Kegel exercises, physiotherapy. Both of those work on the muscles. They, they tone up the muscles. Same as when we work out in the gym, we increase our muscle tone. And by doing pelvic floor exercises, you can increase the tone of the muscles. Um, and that helps not only with sexual sensation, helps with stress incontinence, things like that. But the other component is the vaginal tissue itself. And the vaginal tissue is composed of both collagen and elastin. And with the stretching of the tissues, when the baby comes through, it reduces the amount of collagen. And like I say, just with time, we'll lose collagen as well. So toning up the muscles or bringing the muscles together isn't enough um, to restore the sexual sensation. Uh, it, by restoring collagen in the vaginal tissue, that's what really makes a difference in sensation of frictional forces because if we look at the anatomy, um, 
many people, doctors included, think the clitoris is just this small four centimeter organ at the top of the vagina. But the reality is the clitoris um, is um, consists of erectile tissue that surrounds the opening of the vagina, the lower third of the vagina. And when a woman becomes stimulated, the um, the corpus cavernosus of the clitoris engorge, in, in and they kind of compress the opening of the vagina. So in order to have the transmission of the frictional forces with intercourse through to the clitoral bulbs and then transmitted to the, the clitoris where it's uh, sensed by the woman, there needs to be some integrity and resistance to the vaginal walls. So when the collagen is lost in the vaginal walls, you can lose that sensation with intercourse. And by restoring the collagen, you can uh, regain some of that uh, transmission of those forces and uh, it seems to have a big effect on sensation and enjoyment of intercourse. And the market is literally full of products that promise to tighten the vagina, but uh, often these products will contain herbal remedies or plant-based estrogenic components and they don't have the rigorous clinical trials behind them. And so these are really, it's really about marketing for those products. Is it not like there's not really a cream on the market that's going to tighten a woman's uh, vagina? No, there's lots of things out there. You're exactly right. There's um, most of those creams are more of irritants, and what they do is they cause some inflammation in the vagina, so they cause some swelling. But that's not a good thing. There's injectable um, products that are injected into the vaginal tissue that will bulk it up and um, increase, um, you know, some of the the tightness. But none of these have undergone rigorous. Uh, clinical trials, like you mentioned, um, they're talking now about lasers as well. They're ta- um, I have a device, the Genevieve, which is radio frequency. These energy type devices actually heat the tissue, and by heating the tissue, they um, uh, stimulate what we call fibroblasts. And that, those are what's responsible for producing new collagen and elastin in the vaginal walls. And the, the Genevieve by the Vive has actually gone, undergone very, very rigorous um, clinical testing. They've got two uh, studies that have shown there's been improvements, significant improvements in both the sensation of uh, laxity or the sensation of tightness and increased sexual response. But they also have what we call a placebo-controlled trial, and that's the first in, in you know in the industry of any device that's undergone this kind of a trial. And what that's shown is that actually by treating women with a placebo, which means they don't get an active treatment, but they go through uh, the process as if they were treated, they're able to compare the active treatment to see whether the changes are all psychological or whether there's actually some uh, physical changes and phys- physical sensation changes. And uh, Babib has put the time and money into doing that. So they've got some very, very rigorous uh, trials to support their clients. Which is great. And this is a, a conservative, really, measure or minimally invasive as opposed to vaginoplasty, which is a surgical procedure that shortens the vaginal muscles, perineum, and surrounding tissues. But with that, there are side effects. There's risk of infection, bleeding, and decreased sensation, sexual sensation, quite frankly. So the Genevieve by Vivive is uh, it's a, it's a relatively quick procedure. And, and women, as I understand it, only need one procedure. How long does each procedure take for women in your office, Dr. Allen? The procedure itself is about half hour, Marine, and basically almost painless procedure. Occasionally, some women will feel a little bit of warmth, but basically, it's a, pro- it's a probe that's applied to the vaginal tissue and it gently heats the tissue. Now, that doesn't cause any physical damage because it doesn't heat it enough to actually damage the uh, tissue in any way. And this heat uh, goes deep into the vaginal tissue, it stimulates new collagen over the next month or three. Um, you get significant improvements or a significant increase in the amount of collagen, and that 
improves the integrity of the vaginal wall. So in the in the office, it's a half hour treatment. It's a painless procedure, and there's no downtime. There's no risks, no complications. So a woman can go right back to work, or go home, or go work out whatever she wants to right afterwards. So yeah, very different than a surgical procedure. And what do you hear from your patients about this? What do they come back and tell you? Or you you ask them to return, and and I'm sure you do an assessment. And what are they telling you about this? We've had tremendous um, uh, feedback. Um, we've had more than one women, woman tell me that um, she feels the treatment actually has saved her marriage because, like I say, it's, it's done for a woman. The woman does it for herself because she wants to regain some of that sensation that she had earlier um, in life. And so she's doing it for herself, but it has a significant effect on relationships. It affects the partner because the woman re-engages in intercourse, it's fun again, and the partner senses that. And as a couple, they um, they both get benefit from it. So many, many women have told us that it's um, made sex more pleasurable for them, but it's also had significant improvements and in some cases even saved relationships. And, you know, you make such a great point with a, a woman uh, ought to do this for herself, but, you know, will reap the many benefits because, you know, when couples engage in sex, of course, some of the pleasure is derived from seeing the pleasure of your partner. Uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, it's such a, it's, it's just a great treatment option. And you're in Calgary and you've had it in your practice for a number of years now. Yeah, I've had it for about five years. Now. About five years, and, and it's just coming to British Columbia, so it will be available for British Columbian women as well, which is which will be great because it's nice to offer different options uh, of treatment and to let women know that there are treatments for these issues that, that occur uh, along the reproductive life cycle. But I thank Definitely. you so much, Dr. Allen, uh, for coming on the program tonight to educate about this very important women's health subject. And uh, thanks for your great work in women's health. Thanks so much, Maureen. What I was just going to say was that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think women's health has been overlooked for too long. And I think this is one way for, for women to address that now. I, so thank you very much I agree. for bringing me on. Not at all. And also the um, website, uh, Genevieve.com, is where women can learn more about the Genevieve by Vivive. Thank you so much, Dr. Allen. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Maureen. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye right, now. Take care. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW, and I am Maureen McGrath. That's a night that they hung an innocent man. <laughs> Sing along. Good evening, Maureen McGrath. Welcome back to the program. I, as I was leaving Georgia, did I say this already? This song came on the radio, and I was just like, I, as I was actually driving from Macon up to Atlanta, this song came on the radio. It probably comes on the radio like a thousand times in, in Georgia, <laughs> but I thought it was serendipitous. Uh, Brett Hilker is a business coach. He develops young business leaders. He's young himself. Uh, he's an entrepreneur and a full-time learner. With He's with College Pro, and uh, he joins me on the line, and he's somebody else I met on my travels, in my travels. Hello, Brett. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty well tonight, thanks. Oh, great. Thanks for coming on the show. We met on the plane. (laughs) Fully transparent here. There's no no secrets. Um, And I was fascinated by the work that you do and your description of different personalities. And we decided that we were both connectors, but we we have a few other... We may have another uh, other tendencies towards some of the other personalities. So can you can you just review for the listeners, please, the uh, six different types of personalities? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, the six main ones, they kind of fit into um, everyone's personality in some way, shape, or form. And there's, uh, it, it's basically the filters that you put onto your, your daily life, how you make decisions. And so there's six of them. So uh, as you alluded to, there's, there's uh, connection, which, uh, like you said, both of us are. Um, there's growth, uh, significance, uh, contribution, certainty, and variety. So um, you know, like we can kind of dive into each or uh, whatever's... Well, uh, one of the most fascinating whatever. was the significant one. And, and, and you deal with, um, you coach people in business and you find that understanding their personality helps you to help them to be successful. Yeah, exactly. Kind of understanding how someone is hardwired uh, really gives you kind of a look under the hood in terms of how they are going to make decisions by kind of looking to their past, being able to predict um, the best things that they're going to be, um, yeah, looking to in the future, how they make decisions, and it's, it's just a really good uh, roadmap, per se. And one isn't better than the other, but significant types were interesting to me. So tell the listeners, please, about the significant uh, personality. What, what are they like? What are some of their characteristics? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, significance is uh, it's rooted in, in basically validation um, from others. Uh, you know, a lot of people that are high in significance um, are looking for um, basically like external uh, uh, validation from their friends, their families, their coworkers, um, just that they're doing a good job or that they're important so that they feel important. Um, and, and it can kind of manifest in different ways, but um, that, that's effectively the root of it, is, is wanting to feel important in the eyes of others. And, and why is that? Why do they need that to feel important or to be affirmed by other people? I, I think it roots in, uh, it can come from many places. I think a lot of it, um, a lot of the times that I've seen at least, it, it comes from a place of, um, you know, needing to feel validated as a, a child, potentially, um, from, from parents or or friends as a, as a child, where they didn't necessarily get that, uh, that pat on the back maybe that they were looking for, or they were, um, you know, looking, looking for, um, oh, you did a good job, but you never really got it. And so they've, that, that's kind of manifested in, in their, their adult life. And uh, that, that usually comes out in the work they do and, and the, rela- or the, the relationships and the positions that they pursue in their careers. Um, and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, it can come from a lot of places, but that's, I'd say, probably the biggest one. Right. And um, I, I just find that one so interesting because, you know, they often say to do good for others, especially this time of year. You know, it's nice to help other people out, but um, it's it's better if you're not looking for that recognition. But sometimes people just can't help it. I, want, I remember somebody one time gave a massive donation to one of the hospitals around here, and they said they wanted to keep it private. They weren't going to say who it was. And then the next day, the name is on the side of the building. <laughs> it's like some people just can't help themselves. This is a sex show, of course, Brett, as I forewarned you. Um, and variety is right. the spice of life. So tell me about the variety personality, which we didn't even discuss. I can't believe it. <laughs> on Delta or WestJet, yeah. wherever we were flying. <laughs> that, that flight wasn't long enough, I guess. Um, <laughs> but... Uh... Yeah, variety is an interesting one, too. It's basically just um, kind of a, a core need for newness, uh, you know, different experiences, wanting to, um, you know, have, have as much new coming into your life as you can. So those are kind of the people that are a little bit more laid back or will, will kind of just shoot from the hip in terms of decision-making, 
They like to kind of, you know, make, uh, make the spontaneous decisions as it were. And, uh, and you know, that, that you can see a lot of these, uh, these people often are, are very good problem solvers, uh, especially in the business world that I've seen, um, fantastic business, uh, problem solvers. Uh, they're, they're often good with kind of making it happen last minute. Um, but you know they, they will. Most of them will will be a little challenged when it comes to planning an organization. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's it's definitely. You're describing one. me. No, <laughs> I'm actually no, pretty organized, but <laughs> I like newness and. <laughs> um, but yeah, but people can be two or three of these have varying um, amounts of these different personalities. Yeah, I, I would say everyone's probably got a little bit of everything mm-hmm. in them, but there's usually two to three that, that are the most prevalent, at least, yeah. Right, and then the contributor is another personality. Yeah, contributor, that, that was kind of like what you were alluding to there um, with, you know, donations. Uh, people that are high in contribution are people that are, are generally um, wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves, and so that generally is in the form of, giving back or they're, you know, wanting to make a difference. Um, and, and, and like you said, with that, uh, it's actually that hotel or the hospital example you gave is an interesting one because, I mean, that would be, um, you know, on the surface that would look like a contribution, uh, high, high contribution person that, you know, is giving back to a hospital. Um, but it's actually significance masked in, in contribution where they, uh, they said they didn't want any, you know, recognition for for the donation and then like you said you know the the name is up on the wall the next day right and, and it's um, like the guy who empties the dishwasher at home right it spills out over into relationships and then they you know they basically put a sign on the dishwasher i emptied this you know after but you have emptied yeah. it seventy seven thousand times and got no recognition for that um but i just want to make the point oh. that it can spill over into relationships what were the other what were the other uh, personalities oh. quickly we have to go to break uh are you there still sure oh, yeah. uh, so the- uh, the, the other one is growth. So that's oh, somebody right. that is, is, re- is, is really focused on uh, kind of constant learning, self-improvement, yep. um, and, and would make things in their daily life in order to kind of fulfill that. And then the last uh, one before we go one, to the break? Yep, certainty. So that's just somebody that oh. wants all the answers before making decisions. Oh, right. Yeah, not me. Uh, <laughs> Brett, thank you so much. It was a pleasure flying with you, flying the friendly skies, of course. Uh, nice to meet you, and I'd love to have you on the program again to talk a little bit further and deeper about these personalities. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.